Welcome back. I'm Will Wright. And I'm Trace Morris. And good distinctions are the spice of life. We are very excited today to have our first ever guest on the show to Good Distinctions, Steph Salinas. So, Teresa, you know Steph better than I do, so go ahead and uh, introduce us. Yes, welcome, Steph. I had the huge privilege of teaching with Steph at St. John Paul II High School in Phoenix for a year. I think we actually taught together, and then we were just involved in a lot of things and in each other's orbit for a few other years. Um, so Stephanie and her husband and her four kids live in Phoenix. Um, so Stephanie, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, the work that you are currently doing now as director of events and Spanish ministry at Bustashi? Sure. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm very happy and honored to be your first guest. Uh, but I am Steph Salinas. I am married with four kids. Um, we are in year seven of our marriage. So it's been a ride. Um, I've been part of this diocese for many years. Uh, and currently I work at Blessed Ashi as director of events and Spanish ministry. Prior to that, I was teaching at St. John Paul II, which I love and hope to. I'll always stay some kind of connected to JP2 and that community. Um, and before that, I was um, working for the diocese as the director of religious education at St. John Vianney in Goodyear. So I've had um, experience in ministry, pastoral ministry, diocesan ministry, um, and ultimately just trying to find ways to plug myself in and just be an active member and find just little areas in this diocese where uh, I feel like the Lord is calling me to grow in. So I'm very excited to be working for Blessed Is She. Um, our main office is here in Arizona, and I get to offer and plan and do, do the logistics and the back, the behind the scenes of planning events for our ministry. And also now including Spanish ministry, which is just brand new, and they've asked me to kind of bring that uh, to the forefront as another extension of Blessed Issue. Did you always think that you would work for the church? Was that your plan to go into ministry in some context? No, no. I, the Lord is just hilarious and he just hijacked my plans for my life. I always thought <laughs> I would probably be like a high school counselor or something. And then mm -hmm. at one point in my life, I was like, oh, public speaking would be great. And then I became a youth minister and he's like, you're going to do a little bit of both. And they just kind of started to <laughs> evolve from there. Uh, but no, I never saw myself working for the church at all. Well, and it seems like the Lord just keeps pulling you further and further along with uh, your husband and your brother-in-law, because you also have another ministry in, here in the Valley with the well. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the well is a ministry that was started as a response to the pandemic and just really desiring to have this communal life um, with our friends that we were regularly praying with. And once everything was closed down and there were limitations with public gatherings, we really felt this desire, my husband and I, to get together with a group of our friends to have this small intimate night of prayer. And 
what has happened is, and Teresa was actually at our very first night. It was this intimate night of just having time with the Lord, obviously trying to comply with like the um, space restrictions and whatnot and the capacity at the time, the restrictions for that. But what has happened is it's just kind of been taken over again. The Lord, he just hijacks all of my plans. So it was <laughs> this idea of we're going to get together with our friends and pray. And now it's just like this. We're going on our um, third year of having this night for young adults once a month to come together um, in adoration um, with the blessed sacrament priests from different parishes in the Valley come and hear confessions all night. We have over a hundred young adults that just show up and many of them that I don't know. And it's just so wild and beautiful that the Lord kind of used that desire that we had to pray with our friends and really highlighted a need for our diocese where young adults can come together and have a similar experience uh, in with prayer. Obviously, the Lord does very unique things with each and every one of us, but coming together, forming this community has just been so good for me personally selfishly that I just didn't realize this was going to be this thing this ministry that it was going to keep going after the pandemic uh, but the Lord's just been so gracious uh, mm-hmm. and it's a way that my husband and I are able to serve together which we used to do when we first met each other serving like in, in youth ministry capacities and now being able to offer this together has been really cool yeah Yeah. What is it like, because both you and your husband work for the church in different capacities. So what is it like for the two of you to discern doing something for the church together? And then what does it look like to support each other in your respective ministries? Like, how does that play into your relationship? How does it affect your marriage? What does that look like? A lot of babysitters, a lot of coordinating (laughs) (laughs) who's dropping off, who's picking up what that's looking like. But ultimately, just knowing that my husband has a unique calling and he is his person. He is a son of God, aside from being my husband. And the Lord has blessed him with an opportunity to be a youth minister and to uh, also also be a musician um, for different parish events, diocesan events. And he has that that he gets to do. And I get to sit, sit back and support him and seeing him thrive in those areas and grow in those areas is really, uh, truly beautiful to see. Uh, and then he also supports me and which is what I felt called to do. Uh, when I wanted to go back to school, he took a step back from ministry, worked the job he didn't like just so that I can, um, focus on furthering my, uh, my education. And it's been, it's difficult. Um, you know, working for the church is a lot of sacrifice. Um, but my kids now, they don't know anything else. And it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy that if you ask, like, my six-year-old, what do your mom and dad do for a living? She'll say they get to, they get to talk about Jesus. And, like, mm-hmm. that's really a gift that we don't ever want to take for granted. But now being able to do it together um, and just kind of, feed off of our you know it's funny we're not parents at the well we were always parents but Mm -hmm. like we're not parenting at the well so we just kind Mm -hmm. of get to have this night 
almost like a date night, but we're just like working at yeah. it. You know, <laughs> um, we have yeah. we have this um, this dynamic, which is a, which is different from our day to day, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I love that. And is there um, something that you would, any advice that you would give to couples who are married who do feel drawn to work in the church? I know that when I first met you and Chilo, it was a huge witness to me in my life to just see a married couple who were totally oriented, their lives were oriented to serving the church. And I think oftentimes young people who feel very drawn to that can experience some fear or even Mm -hmm. other people trying to convince them away from it because, um, you know, whether it could, you know, the schedules are weird because if you work in ministry, you have to work on weekends and, you know, how do you balance family life or because working for the church doesn't necessarily pay as well all the time. So what advice would you give to young couples who feel really called and drawn to give their lives to the church in a really explicit manner? Yeah, I would say first, obviously, pray about it and see if that's something that the Lord is really calling you to do at that moment. And maybe not right now, but the Lord can bring you back to it. Uh, But I will also say don't be discouraged because there's a desire in your heart that the Lord's going to fulfill and he's going to do it his way and it's going to look different. Um, But I would honestly probably say to have these honest conversations with your partner or your spouse um, and say, is this something that we can do? And, or is it something that, you know, we're going to work towards? Maybe one of us can work in ministry uh, right now and then we'll work on getting the other one there. But it is a real conversation where it comes mm-hmm. with like, you know, people tell, people told us, you know, it's not going to pay much or you guys are never going to see each other. And we're actually entering into this new season where for the first time uh, ever, Chilo works on Sundays and that's just, we've never had to experience that, but we're finding new ways to kind of enter into this and see the beauty of, well, this is why he's doing it. And yeah, it's going to take some sacrifice and from both, both parties, you know, like there's times where I have to sacrifice Mm -hmm. what I want and what I feel and what I, the vision I have for our marriage and our family. And there's times where he's going to have to do it. But I would honestly say, don't be discouraged. Um, and if it's not in your means right now to do it, then find a way where you can both serve, maybe as a volunteer, and you can kind of start mm-hmm. that way. But the Lord is just so good and generous that He's going to take care of you. You know, we know we've we've had that temptation of like just leaving ministry because we feel like we'll have mm-hmm. more stability somewhere else. But the Lord has proven time and time again that he's going to take care of us. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and I like that uh, <clears throat> he brought up that maybe it's not in this season and that people mm-hmm. need to discern that, you know, things change as time goes by. Uh, I know for myself, when my wife and I met, I was, uh, well, when we first met, I was working at Olive Garden, but very quickly <laughs> I was working for the church. Um, <clears throat> and then when we had our first child, I was working Saturday to Wednesday and she was working Monday to Friday and I felt like we never saw each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it got to a point where I was like, okay, I really need to find something Monday to Friday. Well, I was doing music at a church. Like how, how does mm-hmm. that work? You got to be there Saturday and Sunday. And I felt like I had to do it. Like I had been given these gifts. So clearly I have to do music in the church. Otherwise I'm letting God down or something like that. Yeah. Um, but through discernment and talking to my bride, uh, it was very clear. Okay. No, God's calling me to something else for a season. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm actually uh, overseeing the Scola at JP2. So I'm back mm-hmm. into music in the church, but it's a different angle. Yeah. And so it's just interesting to see how God works. So mm-hmm. just want to affirm that and re-echo that, yeah, make sure that it's not all or nothing. I mean, we are, you know, all about finding good distinctions. We think they're the spice of life around here. And so, uh, you know, finding that middle ground of in between the two extremes, okay, maybe it's not right now in this season, but maybe later God will call you back into it. And having that humility and gratitude and docility uh, towards the Holy Spirit to, to let him guide you. Uh, I think that's very beautiful. So I commend you for that, Anchilo. You have, the well has their first ever retreat coming up in a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to hear about that. And I would also just love to hear your thoughts on what um, success looks like in ministry or how we even like think about that. Because like you were saying, I was at the first well night and I remember my friend texting me about it. And, and I think you and Sheila had both invited me. And then I walked in and I was like, this place is packed. <laughs> There's like a lot going on. And that was the first ever night. And so it really was touching on a desire that people were having and a need that people were experiencing at that time and then has continued to grow and just has really expanded. And one of the things I think is really beautiful about it is that you really are just providing a space for people to receive the sacraments. You know, you're not reinventing the wheel. It's just like you're providing a space to receive what the church already has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, how would you define success in ministry or like what, what does success look like? Because it seems like it's something other than what it would look like in a business setting. Um, but it, it, yeah, it, it's interesting because it, to me, it feels like the well was immediately successful. Um, so how would you say you guys think about that or how you yeah view that? Well, first off, thank you. I appreciate that. And I received that. And I think that that's what starts the idea of this is successful. This is going well. We need to keep going is hearing people affirming the work that we're doing, affirming our prayer and what we're getting in prayer as far as the Lord saying, no, you need to keep it doing, keep, keep it going, Uh, affirming our prayer and saying that we need to keep it going. Chilo and I have been very open from the beginning And we've said, when the Lord tells us to stop, we'll stop. When the Lord tells us that Mm -hmm. it's kind of ran its course, then we're fine. You know, it's served its purpose. And so I would say we've been very blessed with new people showing up every month and people that just are barely finding out about this and about this night, this prayer night. And just thinking that, again, we're not doing anything different. If you go to an XLT, it's a similar format. If you go to a parish mm. mission, it's a similar format. But what we are offering is the sacraments, I guess, in an unstructured or unconventional hour uh, at a parish that fits mm. the schedule of a young adult. And so mm. we felt really strongly called to have a retreat for months now and we've just kind of gave the lord every excuse like no lord we're busy people aren't going to show up we don't have money for this you know the well is funded by our bank account so we're just like how what are you talking about lord and so i think enough was enough with the holy spirit and it was just like this very (laughs) 
strong prompting of like, this needs to happen. And so we are excited to be able to offer this. We're excited to hear our friends be excited about it. And, you know, it's interesting because a good amount of the people that attend the well have experience in youth ministry, whether they were on a core team or attended in high school. And their idea of a retreat is probably a lot different than what this retreat is going to be. But we want to make sure that there are still experiences for them, that just because you graduated from life teen or you received all your sacraments already, that there is still a place for you to have an experience with the Lord um, in a different way than you would normally do at a parish. And so what we always want to tell people that come to the well is this is just should just be a side dish of your relationship with the Lord. Please do not let this night sustain your prayer life. It has to be deeper. It has to be more. And we always hope (laughs) and encourage them to get plugged back into their parishes, to their young adult community, because we travel to different parishes across the diocese. And so we don't know when we're going to be back at your parish, but we do know that there's a good amount of you, a good group of you that all go to the same parish. So why don't you meet up and have a Bible Mm -hmm. study, have this time where you go to the chapel together. And so we want to offer that retreat as a way to bring everyone together, uh, have this time of reflection encounter with the Lord uh, in a beautiful way where we're just kind of unplugged from everything else. And then send them back out to your parish. That's, that's the goal is be plugged in. This, this The well should not be mm-hmm. it for you. Um, so one of the things that I think is really fascinating about like different ministries to different demographics in the church is it seems like there is a huge gap between high school ministry and then when people get married, it's sort of like, oh, you go through marriage prep, so then you kind of feel like you're being ministered to again. And then there really is, like, there's a lot of stuff for young adults, but it doesn't necessarily feel like maybe there's um, things that young adults really necessarily want to receive. And there's also a lot of talk in the church about just young people leaving the church and because they don't feel like they have a place. Um, So your experience in ministry in various contexts, both um, ministering as a teacher, ministering in the parish at the Dawson level, now at the well, and also at Blessed Sheep. What is your sense of the health of youth and young adults in the church? And what do you think the well is responding to in their hearts? Like, what need is it responding to? Like, why has it touched such a nerve? And then also, what do you think the church as a whole could do to better serve and equip young adults? I think we're kind of turning the tide from when I was probably a youth minister coming out of high school, early young adults. And it was this like strong emphasis on like the nuns and that age group of like the 21 to 30 year old young adults that kind of young adult Catholics that fall off the face of the earth and they're back when it's time to get married. And I think what we're seeing now is young people holding on to their faith because they are being formed 
by this generation of people who were truly formed and know how to form others. And so it's this echoing of the faith. It's this catechesis that they have been given, where if you think about our generation and who formed us, they weren't the best informed about the truth and the beauty and the goodness of our faith. And they weren't able to give that to us. They weren't able to articulate it well to us. And so now there's an importance. There's like this draw to hold on to that truth. And so what I feel is that young people and young adults have, have truth. And, you know, I think something that your podcast does beautifully is you share it. You tell people there's truth and this is it. And so now there's not this excuse of, well, nobody told me or I don't know. And so for a young Mm -hmm. person now and a young adult, they have truth. They know what truth is. They know what morality is. They know how to form their conscience. Now, whether they choose to do it or not is up to them. Um, Mm -hmm. But I've seen that I think we're kind of getting to this place where there is a, a revival happening in our church, especially with young people who are stepping into their vocations, who are stepping into discernment Mm -hmm. properly, who are building this community of young people that love the Lord, that believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. And that's, that's what we offer at the well. We're going to, you're going to sit in front of the Lord. You're going to sit in front of his true presence. Whatever I say to welcome you or to not welcome you, however great or not great you thought the talk was, however long the confession line is none of that matters. You're going to sit before the King of Kings. He's going to do the work. And our job is to just bring you to him. Well, and I, I just want to interject. I mean, I went to the well for the first time last, uh, last time it was held. Um, and I was thrilled to give the message. It was a lot of fun. Um, but during adoration, I, uh, I used to do praise and worship music a lot. So like, I know how it goes and I know the different, um, I guess, strategies and, and things of, of ways of praying and helping people pray and enter into it better. And, uh, Chilo is just really, really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've told him that before and I'm, I'm really not blowing smoke and I don't, I, anyone who knows me knows that, I don't say that lightly and I'm probably one of the most critical people on that there is just to be honest. So like he does a really good job because normally when I go to um, some kind of life teen style thing or praise and worship, it's distracting. It's, it's like, I, please just shut up and let me pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love silence. Like an hour and a half of silence is just, maybe it's because I have a six year old and a two year old. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but I really just like silence. And, uh, at first I was like, oh, man, there's music. And I was like, oh man, oh goodness. I'm, I, I'm praying now. And then, uh, I just entered into it and it was just beautiful. And, uh, I was really moved and it wasn't, um, it wasn't some sort of emotional response. It was just this, uh, narrowing of vision where I was just dialed right into the Eucharist, which is exactly what you hope for. As, mm-hmm. as someone who's leading the music to, to augment and elevate um, what's already right in front of you. And everything is about Jesus. It's just so clear that, that Chilo and, and um, Jeremiah and everybody else, they're just praying. They're just very clearly entering in. Um, 
And so it's very beautiful. And, and I think, uh, I know you said there was about a hundred young adults, but I, when I was counting, I feel like there was maybe like closer to 200. Yeah. It was remarkable. Mm-hmm. And it's, also remarkable to me from as someone who's been at the parish side of things as well as at the school and involved in diocesan things and the Institute of Catholic Theology. Like I get around the diocese and it's really hard to get people to things. Mm-hmm. And you seem to manage to do this by word of mouth and Instagram, which is remarkable. And it just shows that God is clearly leading the way on this. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's clearly filling a need, which is his, him. It's the need for him. Um, but as you say, and I think you, you named it perfectly. It's the well, it's not somewhere that you stay, uh, you come and you fill up and you go back wherever you're from mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. the work. Uh, so yeah, I just, uh, it's just remarkable. I mean, it, it, it really is a, a great thing that you're doing. And I, um, <laughs> what came to me in prayer while I was there and then Teresa brought this up as we were talking about having you on was this idea of cooperation in ministry. And uh, I just got this strong sense that, man, I want to keep being part of this in some way. Mm-hmm. And I know that uh, we talked about maybe me being a small part of the retreat, uh, God willing. Um, it's like, yeah, bring it. Like, let's let's go. Even if I'm just going to pray and then help people feel welcomed. I mean, I, I intend to be there as much as I can because it's mm-hmm. just, there's something beautiful there. Uh, but anyway, I, I, like to talk about that idea of cooperation in ministry because I see a lot of people in the Catholic world just competing, uh, competing for resources, competing for time, competing online, in person. Um, my parish is better than your parish. You know, we mm-hmm. offer a more reverent mass than your parish does, and uh, you name it. There's so many different ways that we can compete with one another, and it's so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention I, this Mark Twain quote. I bring it up every time I can. It's comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that. Because um, we shouldn't be competing with one another when it comes to helping people encounter Jesus. Right. I feel like that's something where we should absolutely be collaborating and, and cooperating. So anyway, I will stop my long-winded diatribe and turn it over to you ladies. What do you think? Um, I did want to share on that a little bit. I think it's, I think it's so important that you guys are talking about this and that you want us, then you want to talk about it. We think about the, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, she, and a retreat is named come and see. And it's based off of this, mm-hmm. this idea is that she had an encounter with the Lord and she didn't keep it to herself. She, she left her picture. She ran back and told everybody, come and see about this guy that just told me everything I've done. And we should have that approach with the Lord, right? When we have, we have had a true encounter with him. We want to tell everybody. We want this to spread like wildfire. People are so quick to post what they ate for lunch on their stories. Mm. You have like, you're in haste to share about your day on social media. Where is that desire to share about the Lord? And so when we're talking about this cooperation is that we should all have this, this hunger for just as many people knowing about him as possible. And so when we, I don't know, mm-hmm. I've been in different ministries. I've been in different circles. We, there is a temptation to label ourselves. I'm this kind of Catholic. I'm this kind of practicing Catholic. I do. I prefer this over that. And it's like, Hey, we get to, to celebrate and receive the same body of Christ. Like that 
your Jesus that you receive on Sundays not different than my Jesus that I'm receiving. Your tabernacle in your not-so-pretty church has the same Jesus that this beautiful, extravagant cathedral has. So when we start to focus on that, I think it makes it a lot easier when people have reservations or bring up reservations about, you know, you, you do things differently. I do things differently. Sure. We're all trying to get to heaven. Amen. Amen. Some of my favorite uh, people to meet are the folks that love going to Latin mass. And then they're like, Hey, I'm going to this XLT later. It's like, <laughs> huh? Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem to match, but these, uh, these charismatic trads are just some of my favorite people to, to meet because it's like, yes, you can have your cake and eat it too. It's that Catholic both and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before, and if I haven't, here we go. I I love a good Reverend Novus Ordo. I love the Latin Mass. I love the Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. I, if it's valid, and like you say, if Jesus is showing up, it's beautiful. And yeah. there's this diversity. Um, you know, I'm, I'm teaching Western Civilization Part 2 uh, at, at school, and it's basically Renaissance to present day. And I'm going through with the students, the Protestant Reformation and the Catholic Counter-Reformation. And I really highlight this, this notion that, you know, we have all these different orders, all these different rites, all these different ways of celebrating the Catholic faith. And they're quite different at times. I mean, the, the doctrine's all the same, of course, but the way in which it's expressed, the charisms that are uh, animating certain orders uh, and rights very different. There's a there's a real diversity, but in that diversity, there's a beauty and a goodness and a truth that is transcendent. That is Jesus, mm-hmm. and it's we don't need to have the splintering that we've unfortunately seen with the Protestant ecclesial communities, where well, I don't like fathers or I don't like uh, Pastor So and So's message, so I'm going to start my own church. Um, and now there's twenty thousand different denominations. Um, especially when I talk to the students and they say, well, you know, Catholicism is just one denomination. It's like, no, it's pre-denominational. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't have denominations. We're, we're the church of Jesus Christ. Um, of course, the Orthodox, that's another story entirely. Talk about good distinctions. They've got um, a real claim to apostolicity, but that, the whole Pope thing is a big deal. So we pray for unity. But anyway, my point is like, there's a, a diversity at the service of Jesus, and there's no separation. There's no disunity, even though there's a diversity. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can have uh, this Catholic both and. We don't need to succumb to some sort of either or that separates and divides. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also so true of just at the very beginning of the church, right, that the people the Lord called to be his disciples and apostles were all so, so different. And that's why I love that we have the Feast of St. Peter and Paul on the same day because they probably (laughs) didn't like each other very much. Like they have such different temperaments and different ways to follow the Lord and different paths to him. And yet we celebrate them on the same day because they both gave their lives in service to him out of love for him. So just like you said, Steph, it's like, yeah, we're serving the same Lord. It's the same Jesus that we're all receiving. It doesn't matter the aesthetics or like the circumstance you receive him under. It's still Mm -hmm. him, which is the primary point. 
just a just a quick note on that. Yeah, I mean, like my one of my favorite parts of uh, the New Testament is when Paul's talking about I withstood him to his face, talking about Peter. It's like, yeah, that's so sassy. That it's almost antagonistic, almost. It's yeah. it's a really fun relationship. Really yeah. <laughs> Really sure. under the cover bromance. Like, come on. You know they loved each other. But it's just, it's funny to watch those dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, they get to share a day forever now. Um, I'm wondering stuff, uh, kind of the opposite. You know, like we can talk about competing in ministries, right? Or like kind of gatekeeping, you know, strategies or gatekeeping Christ or certain charisms or what have you. And I'm wondering about the opposite of that, where someone feels really on fire and they want to share like you were talking about, but then they look around and they go, oh, well, all these other ministries exist, or there's other ministries that care for women, or there's other ministries that care for a certain demographic that I feel really drawn to. And what would you say about kind of the flip side of that coin of not wanting to gatekeep, not wanting to grasp, but looking around and saying, is there really a place for me and the heart that I have to serve the church? And is there really even a need um, for, for my particular gifts and my particular passions. Yeah. I think the Lord makes it clear, you know, we are blessed with so much going on here in the diocese of Phoenix. Like there are events galore ministries, you name it, you pick from that you can pick from. And so we thought that too, like, Oh, there's already things happening that people can go to, you know, but that's not necessarily, other ministry success should not be the reason why we do or do not do something. You know, the Lord has placed this on our hearts. And so we're going to uh, try our best to answer this call from him. And he's going to make it very clear what he wants out of it. And so I would say, if you see, yes, there's another ministry that's successful doing the thing that you feel called to do. That's great. But are they doing it at your parish? Are you, you know, you have your own gifts and talents that the Lord has given you and that he's entrusted for you to use. How are you going to use them? Are you going to get plugged in with them? Or do you feel called to do your own thing and invite people, draw them into that? You know, imagine if, imagine if, you know, just even, I don't know if, if these ministries all felt that way, if these different organizations felt that way we would just not have the abundance and we have so we have such a diverse group of leaders in ministry that maybe maybe the well isn't for you maybe you don't like praise and worship and you really want to just have chant in the background and just do a holy hour and maybe pray evening prayer and that's going to be your thing it's the same idea you're still gathering with the young adult group but you want to do it a little bit differently go for it you know uh so i would just say the lord gives you your own gifts and talents and the way that Mm -hmm. we respond to his call should not be based off of what other people are doing when we discern in action too i mean you can't just sort of sit in a bubble and say okay i think i should do this and then I'm going to keep praying about it. You got to, at some point, the rubber meets the road and you got to do it. And then you don't, you also don't discern in isolation. You have to ask other people um, for their feedback and sort of discern, as I say, like looking in the rear view of saying, okay, was that life giving to me? Um, was it life giving to others? What do they, do they feel um, 
fed in some way or spiritually strengthened. And so when you start sort of looking at all your gifts and talents, and then it really becomes clear that it's not just that, it's actually a charism. It's actually Mm -hmm. something that's at the service of the church. Um, That requires action. Again, to discern requires action. It requires the feedback of others. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, I, I think that's a very good approach of, okay, maybe this wasn't for you. Um, but there's a billion other ways to, uh, maybe not a billion. There's how many people <laughs> are in Phoenix? There's like, it's the fourth most populous city in the country. Like, come on, you can I'm find some at- people to do something. Yeah. Well, we would love to hear in a second about places people can go, um, to get plugged in with the well in particular for the retreat. Um, but before that, one of the goals at Good Distinctions is just to reignite good conversation and to try to have and host good conversations between people, whether or not people end up agreeing or not, but just to find, you know, commonalities. So I'm wondering if there's any conversation that you think would be important for the church to be having at this time or just our culture at large. The, um, so any conversation that you think would be significant to begin having in the church or in our culture right now? I think a huge conversation that should be taking place is how the church can better support married families and families in ministry. Um, You know, there's a great emphasis on marriage prep. And then after that, it's good luck, (laughs) you know, figure it out. Maybe go on like a retro by retreat later on in the road or something. Mm-hmm. But there's not much of an outreach for married couples once, you know, where's the follow-up and a fee class after you have kids? <laughs> Where is the check-in on, how, you know, just now you're married five years. Now you have kids. Now you're, you know, you we enter into these new stages as married uh, couples and we're trying to figure it out. And, you know, I think the church could offer just a little more support in that way to young families trying to keep, keep it going so that we're not, you know, comparing ourselves to what other people are doing or how they're living their life, but that the, that the church really encourages us to live out our calling uh, and our vocation in a specific way. Fantastic food for thought. Uh, I definitely agree that, that married couples need some more support. And I, one of the things I've been thinking about recently is the parish is a family of domestic churches. Uh, and so that definitely is something I'm going to uh, contemplate more and I'm, I'm going to try to write something up. Um, but thank you for sharing that. And uh, so before, before we uh, sort of wrap things up, where can people find you? Uh, what sort of things would you like to highlight and uh, where can they go and look? Yeah, you can follow the well, underscore the well ministry on Instagram. You can be on the lookout for our lackluster posts that tell people to come once a month to our <laughs> locations. We don't do the very best job at our social media content and management, but it seems to work and the Lord's very okay with that. So follow us at the well. There's information there for our retreat. Um, the link is in the bio. But other than that, we'd love to pray with you monthly. Uh, meet you monthly, bring a friend. We wanted to make sure that it's not just for the already evangelized Catholic. We want mm-hmm. to be approachable and have people who are trying to get back into their faith or have no idea who this Jesus guy is or 
fell off for a while. We want to make it for everybody. So if that's you, you're welcome at the well. Uh, and we'd love to pray with you. So we also have our retreat. It's called Come and See, based off of the encounter with the woman at the well when she encountered Jesus. And we wanted to make sure that we highlighted what the Lord has done in our lives. So if you are a young adult in need of retreat, we will be having a retreat December 8th and 9th at St. Gregory's in Phoenix. We're very excited to have this time to pray together. You can find more information on our Instagram as well. Fantastic. Well, Steph, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, for those who are listening, if this is the first time you're tuning in to Good Distinctions, you can follow us at Good Distinctions on Instagram or go to gooddistinctions.com. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube as well at Good Distinctions. Uh, we try to come out with at least one episode per week. We'll be having more guests on as we move forward. And uh, it's wonderful to have you with us. And uh, feel free to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening. That really helps us be seen by more people. And so with that, uh, Steph, thank you so much for coming on. Steph, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was such a gift to talk to you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for today for Good Distinctions. Good Distinctions are the spice of life. We'll see you next time.